1: is live that means the music will start very soon this see this told you i predicted it perfectly you're on fire we see you're good fire
0: oh, sure and round the streets, the the here we go brothers sisters siblings welcome to penn sunday school we are broadcasting from show creator studio south here in las vegas nevada and this week And put back on the hard hat, gets out the work card, clocks back in. Good joke. Back to work for this guy over there at the Rio. Oh, yeah. Goodo's away juggling. Here he is preaching the love, Penn
1: Preaching love. Preaching love. Preaching love. You know, I did my first. This is always an exciting thing. Mm -hmm. Not always an exciting thing, but I usually don't, um... uh, I don't celebrate rites of passage like this, Mm. but this felt important. I did my first interview about Random, about the book. Ah. Uh, Publishers Weekly, a guy did an interview with me. Yeah. And the thing is, with with book interviews, you know, when people are interviewing you about a magic show, they they don't do anything. They don't give a fuck. They don't know anything. People that interview you about books are people who read books for a living. Yes. So this guy was explaining to me, he reads 20 books a week. That seems impossible. And he wanted to interview me about my new book, Random. So he read Random, which is amazing because when you're doing a, when you're like, when I'm talking about Fool yeah. people that interview me, they haven't watched Fooless." <laughs> you're
0: right. <laughs> they, yeah, yeah. they don't care. Yeah.
1: But he's read the whole book. But that's not the astonishing part. He then said, but I saw you had other books, so I thought I'd go back and read Sock, and I would also read uh, uh, a couple of the other books. Wow. Because Sock is is fiction. Yep. And then random- The other books are essays, and random is fiction. Got it. So some people, of course, have- Join Patreon and they know the whole deal. Yeah. You got a lot of people getting that book to you, A right? ton of people do. And, and I
0: keep getting the same question via message or well, email answer. all the time. So I'll just answer it here. Uh, right away, we put up all the information for the discount code. You have to look for the previous posts. Uh, whenever the episode aired, right after that aired, we put up a post about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I keep just sending that link to that right, correct post anyway. So you can still write me yep. if you want, Matt at Hayscoops.com for the link to the, if you're a Patreon member, to get that discount, do that. But
1: a lot there. of people are going to read the book. Yeah. Uh, but those people are going to read it because they want to. Yeah. This guy's his job. <laughs> it's different. And then he tells me. I quit my job. My job becomes reading you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he, uh, he asks. that's the other thing. When someone's on Fool Us, right? Yeah. They, Fool Us is starting a new season. We're going to interview you, Penn, right? Yeah. They don't, they say, oh, the tele doesn't talk, right? That's the question. <laughs> oh, do, do you have magicians on? How often are you fooled? Uh this guy. I noticed some themes from Sock and from uh, random that were similar. As a matter of fact, there's one physics quote that you use in the middle of Sock that you use at the beginning of Random that must be a rather important quote. It's about chaos theory that you're using there, and I like the way that goes through your both books. Really? Oh yeah. Um sure. Yes. <laughs> I accomplished that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But like you're being interviewed by a- Did you know that it was in the other one? No. <laughs> serious, <laughs> serious, smart person. Right? Yeah. Asking me real questions about writing. And what I, you know, and I worked hard at this book. I worked really hard. Yeah. And I think it's good, you know? But I expect, I worked really hard and Fool Us. And I expect the same level of um, sloppy interviewing. Yeah, yeah. But no. surfacey. Yeah, when you difficult. get, when you, when you talk, this guy read the book. You understand what I mean? Yeah. yeah. The people that interviewed me on Fool Us did not invest 44 minutes in <laughs> watching this, even with, you know, fast-forwarding here and there. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. If
1: their child happened to see one episode, they'll bring that up to me. <laughs> but they didn't say, they didn't say, I'm interviewing Penn this afternoon. I'm going to sit down and watch that show. Not only did they not do that, it didn't cross their minds that that would be part of their job. Yeah. They're talking about, well, I've got to make sure my hair's cut right, you know. This guy, this guy considered it part of his job to read the entire book, which even a good reader can't read in 44 minutes. No. Even a good reader. Yeah. Which neither of us are. Right. <laughs> and then he went Red because he's more interested. Yeah. When read the first book. If I had his
0: job, I could interview two people a year. Because <laughs> <laughs> so that's about what I get through a year. Without extra work. You also he wouldn't say, And I went and read your and I book. I went and read too. the
1: other book too. No, you wouldn't have that. <laughs> I went and read the other book too, so we're not going to be interviewing anybody else this year. No, no. I'm still reading the book I got for Christmas. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it was really exciting. Yeah. Because it was somebody, um, it's that first time You know, after you've been doing like 10 interviews, you kind of know the questions. Yeah. But this is an amazing feeling because somebody has read my book. Yeah. Someone that I never met. Right. Has read my book. It's an incredible feeling of communication and completion. That's really beautiful. Yeah. I mean. And I mean, on top of everything else, all indications, he sincerely enjoyed it. And, and and he found, you know, there's a lot of jokes. It's a funny book, I hope. But there are a lot of emotional and philosophical points under it. Yeah. And I often wonder if those just blow by, and they certainly didn't on this guy. Right. And
0: if anything, I expect that to come across. I'd be trying to sympathize with you. I'm, I'd am i be more concerned about the humor. Like reading something that's just supposed to be there on the page. and Like everything I've written on a page to be funny is meant for someone to say out loud to get a laugh. Yeah. But to write something where it's just supposed to be there on the page for the laugh is interesting. Yeah, it's, it's, uh,
1: it's, and it's also so much more personal. I think I was in a bookstore in Brisbane. Yeah. And there was a thing on the, uh, on the wall, which I'm going to misquote because that's what I do. Yeah. But it, uh, the, uh, what I, what I got from it was that you write a book alone and the person reads a book alone and there's a total connection. And that's a really odd thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to diminish, you know, Robbie Libin helped me edit it. And a lot of people, uh, not helped me edit it. He edited it and, um, a bunch of people read it and gave me comments. And of course, uh, all the people at, uh, Akashic. Akashic, Akashic put it together and packaged it and all of that. I don't yeah. want, I don't mean to diminish that, but for a lot of the ideas of that book, I was sitting totally alone in my office.
0: Right, I mean, totally alone. All, all the effort, all the people put in, it still ends with a one-to-one. Yeah. Connection, and
1: uh, someone is sitting there alone reading the book. Yeah. Now you know, I'll uh, I'll do book readings, and there'll be a there'll be a recorded version of it, and that changes that. But that kind of personal thing is very, very. Um, it's really particular to books. Yeah. I, I guess you could possibly you could say that there are people that do a record by themselves, you know, recorded by themselves, person listens by themselves, but something about it not being out loud. Yeah. Makes it so you're going from one brain to another in a really interesting way.
0: I, I agree. I, I, cause I can't even really wrap my head around it. I don't know. I don't have anything in my world that does that.
1: It's, um, I really, I really like writing books. Yeah. And as our country falls apart, I may want to write books more. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, as 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 the South succeeds, I mean, you
0: saying that I make, makes me want to read more as well. I, wherever I go, I want to be where the book readers are.
1: I do like to. Uh, I do like to read. I do about forty-five minutes to an hour and a half a night of reading. I had a friend who moved here from Chicago, mm-hmm.
0: and they had a hundred-dollar bet with their husband. Mm-hmm. Uh, whoever got asked at a party first, "What book are you reading?" The other person would have to hand them a hundred dollars. And that was that was their way of talking about what it was like to move from Chicago to Vegas.
1: Yeah, I see that. (laughs) Uh, How long before the bet was paid off? Still hasn't been never got paid off. Now the problem is they (laughs) don't know Mac King or Piff the Magic. Well that's
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Because when I have uh when I meet either one of those gentlemen for coffee, yeah, first thing they ask is what book you read. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And uh, they are
0: readers, and that's you know that's they're used to Chicago and that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Mac and Piff are both big readers. Yeah, and you can tell it in their show; it has that vibe. I think so. Yeah, I think so. There's that. Uh, there's that vibe. But uh, it was pretty exciting. Yeah. I mean, the book will be out in October.
0: That's great. And she, is this the first of numerous? I'm sure you're going to do a big more more of a press push on this.
1: I would like to think that I was not going to be just one interview, but
0: <laughs> <laughs> it went so well. We're going to leave it alone. I had a, uh,
1: <laughs> I think I've said this before, the meanest thing I ever said. Yeah. There's a magician in town yeah. who I consider to be one of the two worst magicians who've ever played Vegas. Mm-hmm. Terrible, terrible, unwatchable. Did a thing where he appeared in the audience and said, if you're looking for me, I'm back here. And I was sitting and no one in front of me turned around. If you're looking for me, I'm back here. They weren't looking for him. (laughs) Terrible, 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 terrible show. And he had just opened and I went to see him. And we're backstage and he is holding court for me and a few friends. Mm. You know, it's after his show. He should be doing that. Yeah. So he's talking and talking and talking. And fine, you know, we're listening very happy. And um, he he then starts saying to me. To me. I mean, he's making eye contact with me. There's four or five people in the room. He's making eye contact with me. And he says to me, you have no idea how much pressure you have to do to open a show. <laughs> I, had, I had to get up. I had to get up two mornings ago at like 7 a.m. and do this local TV thing. I had to do, this, I had to do this, uh, this phone interview. And he said, just this past week, I've been doing like three or four interviews a day. And he said, you just have no idea how many interviews you have to do to open a show. He says to me. <laughs> and I decide to say the meanest thing I've ever said. The meanest thing I've ever said. I, as I breathe in to say this, you know, as, as I once had a girlfriend whose friend said to me, a girlfriend whose friend said to me, you know, Penn, you always say the meanest thing that pops into your head. And I responded, I don't think I ever have. <laughs> that caused a fight with my girlfriend. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> what aren't you saying? <laughs> okay. But I decide, because I've had enough of this guy, because he did a really shitty show. Yeah. Now he's telling me how hard it is in his job. So I say to him, You have no idea, Ben, how hard it is to open a show, how many interviews I have to do. I say to him, I look him in the eye and I say, well, don't worry. You won't have to be doing many interviews soon. That's all going to go away. And I figure when I've said that, he will break down crying. Yeah. My friends will turn on me and say, man, really? Come on, motherfucker. Yeah. Oh, you know what happens? Oh, I sure hope so, man. I sure hope so. <laughs> also that like, <laughs> I mean. Uh, Can you think of anything meaner? Uh, I've just said to him, yeah. you're uninteresting and no one's going to want to talk to you.
0: Again. Yeah. yeah. And you were right. <laughs> I That's, was right. You were right. Yeah. Just factually. <laughs> um that's what bore out <laughs> he
1: was happy about that so good 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 C- congrats <laughs> careful what you wish for just just <laughs> just for the record i want to continue being interviewed yeah right that's why i'm saying about random i hope this is the first of many
0: La- uh, laura Flynn boyle was asked when she was remember she dated jake jack nicholson oh yeah yeah and so she was asked like uh, does the paparazzi just drive you crazy and she said of course but i bet it I bet I'll miss them the, the first day they're gone. <laughs> you know? Uh, something like that. I'm sure I'm butchering the quote, but it was something about like, I, you know, once the, uh, I'll hate it much more when they're not there.
1: Well, isn't it Oscar Wilde? Who's, uh, isn't it in the um, in uh, Picture of Dorian Gray? Yeah. When he says there's only one thing worse than people talking about you? than people not talking yeah, about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's been said many, many, many times. Yes. But it still surprises me when people complain about it. Oh, I mean, especially sugar. how hard did you work? Yeah. Oh no, there, there certainly there are people who made no attempt to be interviewed that are then interviewed. So your whole family was killed in that house fire. What are you <laughs> feeling like? Those people can complain. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I don't know any more
0: press about this terrible thing that's
1: happened. To me. How do you think I feel, you stupid motherfucker? Yeah, yeah. is a fine answer. Yeah. Get the fuck away from me. Don't ever talk to me again. So you're the all one. All finances. So you're the one who brought monkeypox to the United States. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to do those interviews. No, no. <laughs> By the way, Yeah. attempts to change the name monkeypox, I'm totally against. <laughs> monkeypox is a fine name for disease. Yeah. That's all I want to say. Good. Yeah, They want to change to something. It
0: is funny. That COVID-19 was this morph of like, we don't want to name it for the region. Mm-hmm. We don't want to name it for the species that originally carried it because it, it brings up bringing too much of a stigma. So we came up with COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And then the next one was Monkey Box. It's pretty funny.
1: <laughs> yeah. COVID-19, I, I guess they did it the way they wanted it to. Yeah. But wouldn't we have liked it a lot more if it had some other name? It was, was going to be Bat. If it was if it was bat flu or something yeah bat flu would be pretty cool yeah cuz then we would all say i'd call up and i'd say hey matt i <laughs> have bat flu see in 10 days Click. <laughs> <laughs> and we would all be going and then we would just stop we would just go to that yeah so uh penny you uh, you're going to be uh, you're going to be coming to our thing tonight oh, sorry, man. Oh, sorry man see you in 10 days bye <laughs> Hi, this is Pan. I'm in a funky, funky hotel in Valencia, Spain. going might do a little construction work in the background. Please don't worry about it because I want to talk about trade coffee. I got to tell you, I'm loving Spain. I'm missing my trade coffee. It's a great, great thing. They go find these independent roasters, you know, small shops all over the country who do really fair trade coffee. They get these really good blends. You get like over 300 people that taste the coffee, find the right coffee. You can go, you can get the coffee that I get. I get decaf, funky, Flavors with a um, dark roast. That's what I like. You can copy mine if you like because I'm getting great stuff different stuff Every week you get a subscription to it. It just comes to you. You can then try more on your own I keep getting more and more and more is what I do. I started out with a small Subscription I just keep giving more because I didn't think I cared that much about really good coffee turns out I do care about really good coffee I just hadn't had it before, so you get these small roasters. They're really good. They've checked that you can even go fill out your own profile of what you would like, what you would like, and they'll find coffees that fit that. And if you don't happen to dig the one they send you, they will, they will do it again. They will do it till they get it right. So it's really, really good. They'll try it a couple of times. So just uh, check out trade coffee. It's really wonderful. I'm really enjoying it. And you get to help small roasters. Go to drinktrade.com slash pen. That's drinktrade.com slash pen. Drinktrade.com slash pen. Check it out. It's really good coffee. I'm loving it. Hey, even while I'm over here in Valencia, Spain, uh, in a funky little hotel. Even though I'm over here, I still have a book out, my book Random, which is doing really, really, really well. People seem to be digging it, the reviews have been great. Much better than I expected. I'm very happy to say people are spying it like crazy. We still have this offer where you can get an autograph one with a set of dice because it's all about a guy who lives his life at random by throwing dice. It's kind of a crime mystery. It's kind of philosophy. It's kind of nutty. I'm, I'm really, really proud of it. And you can go to akashicbooks.com. That's a K A S H I C books.com. Right at the top, there's a banner with my picture says random. Um, the book is really good. I'm really liking it. And um, you can, uh, I mean, I'm liking it. I've already written it. But I'm really liking how people are liking it. Getting some good stuff on Twitter and stuff. So um, so buy it. If you go through Akashic book I mean, it's available everywhere. Every bookstore, Amazon, everything. You can get it like that just a regular way. But if you want it autographed and hardcover and with dice within everything, go to Akashic Books. I'm right at the top at the banner. Check it out. It's my new book. It's called Random by Penn Gillette. I'm wicked proud of it. I think people are liking it. I think it's good. Check it
0: out. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly
1: Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts.
0: Oh, 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 O'Reilly
1: Auto Parts. So that restaurant that was opening uh, yeah. opening over here it was open like uh, in 2019 I yeah. went over it was pretty good yeah. uh, is it still open
0: Well this improv theater with its
1: few classes going
0: on online... <laughs> <dun-na, dun-na>,
1: <laughs> That would be so much better
0: <laughs>
1: so much COVID-19 was a bad idea although it did set up one of the greatest jokes ever. What's her name? The um, the idiot um, Ingram, Laura Ingram, Laura Ingram. Laura Ingram said, and they're making a big deal this COVID nineteen. We didn't hear even hear about COVID eighteen, seventeen, sixteen. She said it for real? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's terrible. Hello, you're an idiot. <laughs> oh, speaking of idiots, mm-hmm. and we do often. Yeah. Speaking as idiots, which we do often, often. there was an article in the New York Times about Is It Ableist? Did you read this? Um,
0: I might have skimmed the headline of this. (laughs) Skimmed
1: the headline? I got the... You didn't even read the headline? You skimmed the headline? I was still reading that one book. (laughs) I was exhausted. I skimmed the headline. (laughs) Uh, I read the article. Thank you. Uh, it's a, uh, boy, I don't know why I even brought this up. This is a minefield like you wouldn't believe (laughs) it is a unsighted author meeting with her two friends who are unsighted authors. One of the friends also can't hear. The only person to graduate from Harvard Cock Law School who is unsighted and unhearing. I think that's the best way we can say it, right? I hope so. It's going to get worse. (laughs) (laughs) And they are communicating by typing on their computers, which the two people who are unsighted are used to hearing the feedback of the words so they can correct them. Not that kind of feedback, idiot, which is going to come up later. (laughs) Okay? Yeah. And the other one, who is unable to hear, is feeling what they're saying in Braille that pops up on her computer that that reads back Braille. And I believe the pronouns are all she in this case. Okay. I hope to hell. (laughs) (laughs) I just hope to hell. And as she, the person writing this, the protagonist, who she points out is 30 years older than the other two, which is an important part of the story, which only two of them hear. <laughs> <laughs> and the person writing the article is making many typing mistakes, trying to go fast because they're communicating over a lunch or something, right? Right. And she says, oh, or she types, oh, I feel so dumb. Person says that's ableist. You can't use the word dumb. At all? The word dumb refers to people who are unable to speak or have trouble speaking or people that have intellectual disabilities that make them unable to understand that. You can't use that word. That's ableist.
0: I uh yeah, which aye, we're aye. gonna say,
1: okay. So she says, Well, I'd never thought of it that way. Okay. And then she says, Word blind they're uncomfortable with, and then she says, Well, I use the word dumb because I felt stupid. Right. She says, Stupid is ableist. Oh no,
0: oh man.
1: And she says, What do I say instead? And she said, You say I'm struggling. Now, if you go back on Penn Sunday School, all, how many episodes? 700 episodes? 834. 834 episodes. I have this figure at the top of my head. In 832, I use the word idiot.
0: (laughs) You are ableist. (laughs) Wow. I mean, at this point, we should just Under, you know, Apple or whatever, we should put that as part of our labels. (laughs) We're an ableist podcast.
1: But I'm struggling is what you're supposed to say. Which I. But don't people who are having a problem, aren't they also struggling? Yeah. And then she brings up the scene that while she was still sighted, this woman lost her eyesight. It was very, very bad when she was young. It's all covered in the article. And it got much worse. She was able to watch young Frankenstein. And she said the scene that she thought before she was enlightened was funny was the scene with the Frankenstein monster yeah. uh, meeting the, the unsighted man yeah. who spills, pours hot coffee on him Yes. because he can't see.
0: Yeah.
1: And that scene is ableist because it deals with Frankenstein being unable to speak properly to, yeah. Yeah, to yeah. correct him. And the blind man being unable to see properly. So that scene, these are not her words. And I am not making her point. I'm making my own point. But if you put that in the category of blackface, you've got big trouble. Yeah. Because Jerry Lewis, Adam Sandler, everybody else in the world. Right. Have done a lot of jokes. Where they act like they are not on top of it and as quick as possible mentally. Right. And I had this uh, argument made by a friend of ours who said, why aren't you allowed to use the R word for stupid? Because you're you're able to say, what are you blind? And blind people aren't offended by that. That argument now goes to pieces because at least this article – yeah, talked about how you could be uh, bothered by that. So does that mean? I don't know. It's tough. Don't so, know how so, we how we deal with that. Uh, I'm up two minds of it. One is like,
0: boy, am I totally inept and unprepared to go to this level of communication? Mm-hmm. I'm by default ableist for sure. You're struggling, and that's the thing is I do like the correction. I like struggling. The argument an English teacher gave to me that I now teach with my kids was the bad word thing. I go, look, it just, it it was taught to me that that you're using a filler word because you're not properly expressing yourself. Mm -hmm. So rather than take this crazy good word, bad word thing, just know that you're saying something you're not properly communicating. Mm -hmm. That seems like a fine way to look at it.
1: Well, except it's wrong. (laughs) Okay. Because you are communicating. Oh, right, right. And you you also, the reason we have motherfucker, fuck, 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 yeah. it, shit uh, in our language is because there's a certain rhythm we're trying to get out of the language that we need that fucking thing in there. Right. You know, yeah. and uh, you're talking about, I mean, in, in German, you have more multi-syllabic uh, words. Yes. You've got more endings that are important yeah. in, uh, in Spanish and in Italian. In English, we have this dog bark kind of... Um, short word arc, 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 and we want to kind of smooth that yeah to a gentle rhythm so you put the fucking word in there yeah. and it gives you a little something instead of put the word in there put the fucking word in there gives you blah, 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 gives you a nice sound there yeah. so they are not they're empty words in terms of no they're not even empty words in terms of content because the rhythm is part of the content
0: That that is true but I often encourage my kids just to say what they're feeling. Don't
1: say motherfucker in the middle of the sentence when you're talking to your teacher. We're all going to be right. reprimanded.
0: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I say, like, you're not getting in trouble with me right now, but you could get in trouble with someone else down the road. And I'm letting you know that right now. And when they yell at me, I have to pretend to yell at you in front of them. <laughs> yeah, you do all that. Yeah. It becomes an act that I don't want to do. Because yeah. <laughs> um, even when you're pointing at this, like, I want to be able to. I don't know if there's a better word, condemn myself. I want to be able to bust my own balls, hold myself to account. Like, oh, fuck, I'm such a fucking idiot. Ah! Right. Yeah. Whatever I'm doing in that action. Yeah. If all the words are wrong, I still kind of want to know what I'm trying to do there because I want to hold myself Uh, to some account.
1: Here's the problem. Yeah. Anytime you want to point out one of your own failings. Yeah there is someone that has failed that you're identifying with that in some way is saying we're in the same boat. Yeah. And that's the problem because if you are frustrated that you can't do some simple arithmetic, yeah, there will be people who are unable to do that simple arithmetic. Right. That you're then pulling yourself in the boat with and then pulling out. It's really hard because I try to, you know, I really try hard. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not successfully. But I try very hard to racially use the proper words. Yeah. And um, um, sexually use the proper words. I try. Yeah. I fail a lot. I struggle with that. But I mean, I don't know how you can use the word struggle. I guess the struggle would mean we all struggle. So that's kind of okay. Yeah. Because a blind person does not struggle to see. No. And uh,
0: someone who's deaf does not struggle to hear. Mm hmm it's hard and i guess i guess that's the thing like you know carlin when you parked out going from shell shock to ptsd yeah that kind of stuff it's like you know there there's something about being more articulate as we evolve there's also that what's the principle ready where something becomes offensive than the words that become passable and the
1: euphemism treadmill
0: the euphemism treadmill
1: oh uh, yeah that's euphemism treadmill yeah. yeah 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 that's also a hard thing you know because yeah. you know we saw that really happen quickly with gay yeah. High school students would go, oh, that's so gay. Yeah. Instantly. Yeah. I mean, that was quick. Yeah. And you're going to see it with struggle.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the point. Is like, So you, the point is like you have to stay on the treadmill. I think it's the only rule yeah. that you can keep, right? And so, yeah, I don't I don't ever want to be a, oh, come on, that's funny guy. Yeah, you don't want to. And I don't want to be like, oh, come on, it's not that big a deal. So I, I, I know I don't want to be speaking like that person. But when you bring something like that, that's that's really hard. That's really hard. The the yeah. dumb taking out the word dumb
1: is hard. Trying to say that admitting your admitting your own inability to think properly in a situation, yeah, I consider to be a kind of humility. Yeah. If you take that away, it becomes harder. Yeah. Um it becomes hard to speak, but it certainly is a wonderful intellectual
0: exercise. It really know. is. And for me personally, like I want to hold young Frankenstein in its time, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and that scene bringing that person joy. I mean, the idea of that pushing any dominoes forward the other way, seems really
1: slim. But I, I also remember very fondly when I would go to the uh, Franklin County fair. and I'm not going to go into the monologue from the show. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> There was a gentleman there who was unsighted, and he would, in in a booth kind of about what was called then the blind of New England Mm -hmm. that needed books read to them and so on to raise attention, he would sit there and he had a checkerboard that had um, a round and square checkers and the um, checkerboard indented. So you could play checkers without seeing, right? You do it by feeling, feel the whole board and then make your move. And he's played checkers. I sat down and played checkers with him quite a bit and chatted. And one of the things he would do is when I would make a move that was (laughs) suboptimum, when I was struggling with the move, he'd run his hands over the board and go, what are you blind? You missed this. Ah, That was his standard like go-to joke. Right. Now, I guess that would be seen as kind of Uncle Tommy now. but um, Yeah, well, that's the hard part, right? Because then, then you get into this
0: other currency of trust and friendship. Exactly, which is a whole different thing. Which is a whole different thing, which is actually what surprised me most about the story you're telling me about the New York Times is it was a group of friends.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, they. She, I'm, I'm sorry. That's my reporting that's inaccurate. Mm. She does... Talk about the kindness and gentleness with which it was talked about. Yeah, okay. It was brought up. as just a discussion. Oh, okay. It was not really busted. So, please, that that's was just my no. Good. That's a support. That wasn't where, that wasn't where we were going with yeah, that. Yeah, so yeah. I didn't I didn't cover that. But that's right. all covered very well. Yeah. These are people that are being kind to her, and she appreciates it. And they are not busting her in any way. They're just saying, "Have you thought about this?" Yeah. Bring it up. Very similar to the way we're bringing it up, actually. Oh, okay. So I don't want to. I don't want to misrepresent.
0: Yeah, I also have this general unease with the idea that we're not supposed to ever f- feel offense ever.
1: Yeah, you're supposed to feel offended. I think often.
0: Yeah, and then also that like taking offense or whatever is not. I feel like we're we try to legislate so much. Yes, we should evolve. We should try to empathize and kindness. But it, gets, it, it can get difficult where the idea is how much do you push that way where you actually just, we're flawed humans. So at what point are we just bottling things up versus trying to help communicate better? Because the bottling up part feels dangerous to me. Yeah, and boy, are we bottling up now. Yeah, and boy, and boy <laughs> there's a lot of terrible things happen because of bottled
1: up feelings, yeah, yeah. you know. It also gives power when a hunk of the community feels like they're bottled up the first person who comes along and says we're going to say what we mean yeah has this huge amount of power right. i mean that was certainly a part of what was happening with trump by far i think yeah. i think it was a major part of yeah it. uh he, you know he, this um, this this asshole we can use the word asshole
0: right <laughs> yeah. so that that's what we said on this show i've actually we've talked about this that i've converted all of my cursing to asshole yeah because like everything else, I don't want to say pussy or dickhead yeah. or
1: whatever. <laughs> like I've tried to move everything to asshole. Asshole's really good, <laughs> and especially when you call someone who identifies as a woman an asshole, yeah, feels really good. It does. It does for You fucking asshole. Because I still want to be able to condemn someone. <laughs> Maybe that's why I, I'm just such I'm such an asshole. I should just ex- yeah replace idiot, which seems strange because you're supposed to not curse. But
0: it seems you're safer now. Yeah, asshole. You'd be safer saying asshole than idiot. Yeah, asshole. Yeah. Good
1: idea. You know, <laughs> when, you talk, <laughs> when you talk about empathy and using these words, I read this wonderful thing in a book, uh, a writer, mm-hmm. talking about um, talking about writing. Yeah. And he said, when I look at what someone's motivation is, it changes stuff. And I'm misquoting this entirely, which is why I'm not saying who the author was. So it inspired me. So I say this person went to Starbucks and they're a real asshole. Yeah. And I go, eh, I want to say a little more about that. So this guy went into uh, Starbucks. He, he, he was an asshole to the barista. Then I say, well, he was, that's, that doesn't tell me anything. So I yeah. say he spoke quickly and rudely to the barista because he was upset because he was upset because the barista reminded him of his wife who had left him. And he was a little bit, and the sentence just keeps growing. Yes. And it ends up being good writing and empathy showing that those are the same. Oh, wow. When you look at why someone's doing something, you automatically become a better writer. So he went in and he snapped at the barista about his coffee because that barista reminded him of his wife who'd left him recently and who he loved dearly. Yes. And as he was trying to get to the office quickly, having that reminder made him appear short-tempered. Oh, wow. The whole thing changes. Yes. And it becomes better writing and, and that whole thing. It becomes the um, primary uh, attribution error. Give me a moment. Okay. Well, I'll give a moment. I'll tell
0: you this is the thing that, like, the, the half-step progress of this. I
1: remember, you know, like, uh, going to therapy. Fundamental. Fundamental attribution error. Which I just want to explain what that is. Please. That's the idea that what you do is situational. What other people do is their personality. Oh, yeah, uh, fundamental yeah. Fundamental yeah. attribution error is, I think, very, that's very significant. important. Yeah. So when you get cut off in traffic, that's the kind of guy that cuts people off in traffic. Right when you cut someone off in traffic, it's oh Jesus! My, my I was talking to my my wife on the phone and we're Shit. worried about it, and I had to get yeah. over to that exit. I had to get over the exit. I can't, I can't be late.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So you have a situational reason. that other person—they're the kind of person who cuts people <laughs> off in traffic. Which I don't think there is a kind of person right. who cuts people off in traffic. But we have that in our head, right? Shit, that's really gonna really that's F- really gonna mess with me. Fundamental attribution error is, is a big important. That's a thing. big one. Go on with your stupid little story. Your your <laughs> struggling little story. <laughs> <laughs> Go on with your struggling story.
0: So, uh, uh you know, uh, getting in a fight with my wife. You, you mean physical. No. <laughs> getting, getting in an argument with my uh, wife, it ends up being about me, right? And so now that's what I've learned in therapy and all the arguments is that secretly there's something about me that I'm not figuring out for myself a lot of times,
1: right? Mm-hmm. Are you asked me to agree that no. most arguments I've seen you win are your fault? <laughs> yes. We'll take that as a given. Go on with your struggling little story.
0: So now if I get into an argument with my wife... That thought swims in my head immediately. Mm-hmm. And then I'm just doubly frustrated because I'm really mad. And I go like, how the hell is this gonna end up being about me? You know, there's no way this is gonna end up being about me. This is her this time. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's a double barrel shotgun instead of a single barrel. And it still ends up being about me at the end.
1: Well, it's like Godot says, This isn't about you, it's about me. I think you're an asshole. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: right so there is a big lou reed exhibit in new york oh right really really big lou reed exhibit in new york Laurie anderson uh curated it and i am thrilled to pieces that my name is in it really they have in there a cassette uh i think it's like 18 18 cassette, 18 90-minute cassette yeah. collection of bootlegs of the Velvet Underground put out by the Velvet Underground Appreciation Society. And they're red. And they're all lined up in little case. It's Lou Reed's personal collection of bootlegs. And it says, a gift from Penn Jillette. Oh, wow. And Lori went out of her way to make sure that that would be there, that a gift that I gave Lou was in the exhibit. And I'm very thrilled about that. The story behind the gift is, I think, uh, I had to call Lori. I had to write to Lori and tell her because I thought it was pretty funny because she knew it was a gift from me. Yeah. She didn't know the whole story. Very early on when I met, uh, when I met Lou, yeah. we were uh, talking about bootlegs and how he felt about them and so on. And we're sitting there uh, crossing each other. <laughs> and Lou says, you know, there's a whole bunch of um bootlegs someone put out all the bootlegs of the velvet underground everything just put them out on cassettes right and they're all floating around like that and i said if i ever find the person who did that i'm gonna punch him right in the fucking face (laughs) (laughs) which is what we call an awkward situation (laughs) I'm going to punch him right in the fucking face. Penn, I want you to head a task force. (laughs) I say to him, sheepishly, I I guess you need to punch me in the face. He says, what? I said, that collection of bootlegs, um, I didn't do all the work on it, but I I paid for them. I paid for all the recording and the duplication and everything. I put out those bootlegs. (laughs) Long pause. I keep my arms very committedly in my lap and I am 30% ready to be punched in the face by (laughs) Lou Reed. (laughs) I am preparing myself to be punched in the face by Lou Reed. And Lou just sits there frozen for a remarkable length of time. It remains on that. (laughs) <laughs> Unresolved corn <laughs> wants to come back to the tonic. Lou says, "Oh, can you at least get me a copy?" <laughs> Best response ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I gave Lou a uh, a copy. <laughs> a gift from Gillette. <laughs> uh <laughs> uh. So I'm in the, I'm in the show and it's great because in the New York Times, yeah. when they did an article on the Lou Reed show, that's one of the things they showed. Oh, that's so cool. Bootlegs tape. Yeah. Also a, uh, you know, Delmore Schwartz, you know, Delmore Schwartz, Mm-mm. great short story writer who at Syracuse University was uh, Lou Reed's professor mm-hmm. in creative writing. So you're a Lou Reed's creative writing professor, which is pretty cool. Delmore Schwartz, the stories he's written are wonderful. He's a great, great writer. And there's a great letter from Delmore Schwartz to Lou Reed that says, I don't know what he's referring to, whatever he's referring to, it's really great. It says, Lou, keep in mind, there are more scapegoats than goats.
0: (laughs) Isn't that beautiful? That's beautiful. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. There are more people to blame than are people that deserve blame. Yeah. More scapegoats than goats. I thought it was uh, really good. So that's, uh, that's uh, Lou Reed. And
0: someone found, uh, I just saw it on Twitter, but someone found the old video game you guys had where Lou Reed was the final boss.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, the End of Smoke and Mirrors, which abbreviates to s and yeah. I want to point that out because Fool Us abbreviates to FU. FU. Yeah. S&M, the game we did which never came out. It was done by Absolute. And I've been asked a lot on Twitter, and I guess I'll deal with this here, why it didn't come out. Times changed, formats changed, platforms changed. The company we were working with got sold and out of business and stuff like that. Those are all reasons it didn't come out. But the other reason is that the brains behind it, the person who came to us and worked with us for two years on it and became a very, very close friend, was a man named Barry Marks who was a tremendous writer, a brilliant thinker, a beautiful person, one of my closest friends, very quickly went from we should do a game together to someone who uh, would stay in my house and we spent all our time together. I loved Barry tremendously. Barry died. Mm. And when Barry died, the the soul of the game went away. So it probably, he had a heart problem and it was uh, congenital and just died. Uh, The first person who was a peer of mine who just died. I mean, there were people in high school who wrapped their cars around poles or had drug overdoses. But he was the first person who was part of my circle who just died dead. So that's why that didn't come out. But we said to Barry that um, we thought it was really funny really funny. This is a Penn & Teller game. It's Penn & Teller going through adventures, and it's uh, what they ever called a two-dimensional game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's words for all of these things that my son knows inside out. And uh, we said, uh, who do we want the final boss to be? Who's the final person that you have to go up against? And we said, should be Lou Reed. And I talked to Lou and said, would you be the final bad guy in our game? Which means you would pop in and, you know, say something at the end. And um, Lou said, sure. And I said, but it can't be a way to beat you. So the final level is called the impossible level. And no matter what you do, Lou Reed gives you a dirty look and you die. (laughs) No matter what you do, there's no way to beat it. And finally, after you try, I think it is like 30 times. Yeah. Lou comes on, actual video of Lou, not a cartoon, actual video of Lou. And Lou says, this is the impossible level. Impossible does not mean very difficult. Winning a Nobel prize is very difficult. Eating the sun is impossible. You cannot win. (laughs) And that's been circulating, Lou saying that. A pretty wonderful thing.
0: It is a pretty wonderful thing. And the quote does live outside of the game. I think people know the quote without the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But whoever came up with your walks are really great. The walks are perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, The way you and Teller walk, and it's pretty great whoever came up with that.
1: Yeah, the whole game was pretty good because this game, you know, includes Desert Bus. Right. Desert Bus was a subset of Smoke and Mirrors. Uh, There's another game in there, which I just loved. There's a game with two bees competing against each other, flying around, right? You just tap in a code when you're playing it on your joystick. And the computer takes over all your play and makes it so you beat the other person, no matter what they do, by just the smallest amount every time possible. (laughs) So you can sit there. You play it legit. Yeah. For a while. Yeah. Then when it comes down to money hitting the table or something's really important, you do, you know, I think it's like three lefts and a right and then another left, you know, something like that, some code, and the computer takes over, <laughs> and that other person will just lose in the most frustrating way possible. <laughs> they get ahead of you, they're, and they're, and they could have complete control. Yeah. It's not showing a video. They have complete control. The game's just beating them.
0: Oh my gosh, that's ridiculous.
1: <laughs> that's amazing. We had that one and we had a uh, couple of card tricks in there and there was astrology thing with Debbie Harry, and then there was the uh Smoke and Mirror's the actual game where you're trying to um there's an evil magician with a wind machine. <laughs> well, you know. And uh <laughs> and you have to overcome that person. And then there was Desert Bus. Yeah. The uh the Edigord Gordeski idea. Yeah. So that's, you know, people, I believe there are bootleg versions you can find Mm -hmm. that are playable on something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was never really completely finished. And I don't want to be, um, I don't know why I don't want to be, but I don't want to be inaccurate about this. It was failed, and Barry was trying to recover it. And I had always thought that if Barry had lived, you might have found a way around that. Mm -hmm. But it failed before Barry died. They didn't want to put it out. Yeah. It just, it just, it became orphaned. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. the company, right as it finished, the company got sold and they didn't want to do that. And someone else went bankrupt and, you know, it, all that kind of stuff. Business happened. Yeah, you know, yeah. That kind of stuff. So it never came out. It's very hard to create a very successful video game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. We don't need to explain why it didn't come out. We need to explain why anything else did come out. <laughs> uh, yes, that, yeah, that's yeah, much yeah. better. And that was Penn Sunday School. That was Penn
0: Sunday School. Cha-cha-cha. And
1: to our listening ears. You become naked. All oh, nature sang and round us when The music of the schemes. It and Penn Sunday School? Yeah, you know, I, 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 I kind of wanted to go into that ableist thing. As a negative thing, but the more we think about it, there's a lot of positive there. Ain't that the way it always is? And now you've got fundamental attribution error also in your head to fuck you up. Yeah, that's really important. You know, we love you. Anybody to thank there, Matt?
0: I sure do. And then there's these assholes (laughs) Betsy Batter, Little Mandar, Michael Fritz. Uh, the WrestlingIndependent.com, the heartbeat of pro wrestling. And the person who can tell me what plate spring lessons are Rachel Forrester, Jobith R. Bowers, Adam Stickney, Sack Guy Jimmy D, Nathan Julian, Some Guy in Shanghai, Christopher <laughs> Harris, Manuel Vidal Perez de la Mesa the Fifth, Petty Officer Scoop, David K, David Peters, Blue Drinks Films, Brandon Knapp, Nick Dingman, Colin Durham, The Big Scuba Podcast.com. Central Park Owl, Lancy Menshu, Stephen White, Harlan Liam Clark, Michelle Yeiser, Jonathan, Brogan Hastings, and Placida Scott. Thank you! Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe.